And we're live. Bam. Been working on that. I I need a pitch too. I think. All right. I need. You should tell me your pitch ahead of time, and I can think of the the right coordinated. Uh, you know, we can have a cool back and forth or something. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't actually work on it, but we we totally should for next time. We we also have to continually like talk about how we're going to improve the podcast during yeah. the podcast, right? And also talk about all our fans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at least we uh, we can get through that pretty quick and yeah, get onto yeah. the topic at hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so I, I'm actually a couple minutes late, and I, I lost track of time because I'm actually been listening to our backlog of uh, history on here on 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 the YouTube's. All right, how how do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, by the way, this this is the last podcast, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's 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 good. Um, it, it helps having it on YouTube. I think I, I'm listening to it on playback speed of 1.5, uh, just in the background while I work, and and it's actually uh, listenable. <laughs> I'm on I'm on season zero, episode seven right now. I uh, I mean, we aren't here to to you know compliment ourselves, but uh, <laughs> listenable is uh, I think a good bar. Yeah, I mean, uh, good personal bar. Yeah, I mean it it. It's, uh, you know, our voices are nice and soothing. Uh, the subject matter uh, hits home for me. It's, uh... You can relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just something about the stories these guys tell that uh, it, it sticks with me. Yeah, something about that. Yeah, something about those voices. And, the, you know, it's, you're kind of used to it. Yeah. Feels very familiar in a way. So what have you been up to since last week? Have you played anything? <sighs> Working, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean... Not so much, honestly. Um, my kids, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen my setup I have at home. I have like the computer with kind of the modern consoles and then beside it is a CRT with like all the old consoles. And I actually don't think I have seen your new setup. Yeah, I should, uh, I'll, I'll send a pic. It's eh, it's nothing fancy, but um, you know, it just works for what I want to do. But what happens, what tends to happen is that like we have the two systems and then the kids can kind of play between them. Mm-hmm. And uh, like if they both want to just play some game or something. Um, I mean, you know, they play together too, or they like, we kind of play together sometimes too, but what'll often happen is like someone will be playing some game and it's a one player game and whatever kid is not playing or doesn't get to play, will just scream constantly until it's their turn. And so what's easier and ridiculous, but easier is to like get the same game on both and have them both playing the same game. (laughs) And now since one of these is a retro kind of setup and the other one is like, not meant to be retro, but, you know, I do have those, like, the ability to play the retro games on it. Um, I'm able to have, like, like I can't have both systems running, like, Untitled Goose Game or something, but I can have both systems running, say, Mario Paint or, or whatever, kind of the, mm-hmm. the retro stuff. So uh, I've been supervising some Mario Paint sessions. I've been supervising some, uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called, Harvest Moon, the Super Nintendo Harvest Moon, nice. believe it or not. Yeah. That, that was the only one that I, I mean, I think I only played one out of Harvest Moon, but that was the only one I liked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the kids are, they're still, like, they'll play stuff, but as soon as an enemy pops up, it's like, throw the controller to dad, right? Like, they, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So uh, something like Harvest Moon or Mario Paint is, is a little more suitable, or, or um, Untitled Goose Game. Uh, they like Mario, but, you know, you walk around the, the corner and there's an enemy, boom, mm-hmm. the end, right? So, um, yeah, it's worked kind of well. So, I mean, I haven't been doing uh, too much gaming myself, but uh, I've been, uh, yeah supervising a little nice. bit yeah nice. we did that uh, i think i mentioned we beat uh, uh mario galaxy 2 recently mm. and i hate it when games do this to be honest but like 
for me, when I get, when, you know, you beat the boss, you watch the ending, you're like, Ooh, I did it. You know, I want to go into the next game. Like, it's not like this particular game is like the thing I want to do the rest of my life. But yeah. then it opens up a bunch of levels and you're like, <sighs> and so that's actually, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't want to go on to the next game until I just clear out that and kind of can say I'm totally done with it. But I'm, since I beat the game and my state of mind is like, okay, I'm done with this game. Like I have been not motivated to actually go and do that. So probably one of these times when the kids are like, yeah, I want to play Mario kind of just go finish that up and uh, yeah move on yeah, to odyssey or something i don't know if it was just my my age at the time i feel like i enjoyed that with uh, chrono trigger um like i i enjoyed beating it and then having the new game plus where i could come back and i had full items and i could try to do any of the alternate endings um that felt cool to me but generally yeah i'm, I'm in complete agreement like when uh, i think it was a uh, new super mario bros 2 or no, it was like, man, there's so many stupid named Mario games. Yeah. Like 3DS, Mario. It's like they kind of knew that's what people would call the game anyway, I guess. It's like, oh, it's the new one for uh, for DS, man. New Mario but, DS. Man. So it's it's Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's you play through the game and you beat it and then... Is that where they give you Luigi? I don't remember if it's Luigi, uh, but I think basically... Yeah, I don't remember. I because I gave up after I beat Bowser, right? Like I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't want to beat eight more le- worlds, so yeah. I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I put it on my list as games that I've beaten, though. Well, I mean, yeah, right. Like I I think, I mean, I mean, an example of this where it's I don't know. I guess we could say done well. I guess is like uh, Symphony of the Night, where it just feels like you're not just, you're just not done the game yet. Like there's yeah. more game, right? Um, and I guess it's just like. Like maybe if that game came out today and we played it and we were kind of like, uh, once we get to that second half, we might be like, uh, but it's almost like, like it's, it's such a famous game and it's kind of canonically known that there's that second half. So I think anyone going into it just knows they're going to play through the two halves. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making stuff up. What I, what I do like is when there's like, kind of like, just like little goodies they give you, I guess. Like imagine like, I, I don't even know. Imagine a fighting game. Imagine like the new, the, the new Smash Brothers game or something. And when you, you beat the whole thing they unlock a new stage or something like you know sure yeah. play around with it whatever but it, it's not like another x hours of of stuff I, not yeah. not not a fan not yeah a i think they did that with like metal gear or solid where they gave you like the, the bandana or something after yeah. you beat the game yeah like yeah i i don't mind that sort of thing uh, okay so yeah it you do eight full worlds in this mario game and then you unlock the special worlds and you can unlock playing as luigi um but yeah it's I, I i just didn't have any ambition whatsoever to do these eight new worlds after i did it you know i might have um, i might have done them because i'm pretty sure i got luigi and i think it was like go ahead and play the whole game again as luigi and i was like uh yeah <laughs> thanks well i wonder if we're thinking of the same game are you thinking of the one that was on 3ds because the, the the new super mario bros U, wii u deluxe was like that okay, okay. <laughs> i'll be honest i have no idea but i know i i i was recently and by recently, I mean like a year ago, I remember I kind of like looked at all the Mario games to see if there was any I hadn't played. And I realized there was a few that I had played through entirely and forgotten. And yeah. I think I, I, I pretty much have played all of them. I, I, there might have been a few recent ones. At the time, it seemed like there was like maybe one or two I'd missed. But uh, I'm pretty right. sure I did play the 3DS one. Right. So, so yeah, the Wii U, New Super Mario Bros. U. Man. <laughs> titles are so brutal god new super mario bros u which was on the wii u uh we got it 
the new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, which was for Switch. And when you beat that, it unlocks the new Super Luigi U. And then it's like you play through, I think it's basically all the same levels. Mm-hmm. But you're now Luigi and you have a timer that's like 99 seconds. And which which is hard because he's like so floaty and drifty and weird. Um and I, I had no interest in playing through that at all, but my, my son was really into it, so he actually convinced me to, to do it with him. So we did end up beating both games. Cool. Wow. Okay. Well, I uh, hopefully it wasn't too brutal for you <laughs> the second time through. It was, it was different enough that it was, it was actually a much harder game, and I don't know, it wasn't enjoyable once I got into it, but had it not been for him dragging me into it, I wouldn't have done it. Um, and I guess it's kind of the same way, like in, uh, you haven't played Mario Odyssey yet, have you? I, I booted it up, I mean, it's next on the, on the list, but no, I haven't, right. like, in earnest, actually, no, I, I played, yeah, let's say no, I played through, like, three levels or something just to test it out. When, when you say levels, you mean... Worlds like stages of a or... world okay yeah i remember there's like a bonneton yeah I, I don't really remember i can remember the, i can envision the stage but i can't describe it there's like a bunch of like it's walls the hat kingdom. yeah maybe you're throwing your hat around and you're like running around on the top of the wall uh... i don't know yeah <laughs> remember that stage <laughs> that describes every level yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I mean, I I really enjoyed that game, and and my opinion is that's kind of like the best Mario game. Um, I I feel like they did an, an an absolute stellar job with the programming that one, but it kind of suffers the same thing. You beat Bowser at the end, and then they unlock more stuff for you to do. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm impatient as an adult, and I have my backlog that I want to get to and stuff, and I don't want to be burdened with more fun. Um, <laughs> I I want my fun known up front yeah <laughs> um but yeah there's there's more stuff he my son enjoyed it and therefore we ended up playing it but it, had i been left to my own volition after beating the game when i see the credits i get that sense of finality and closure and and i'm happy to walk away onto the next experience totally hear you uh i mean i benefit from not like having some sort of strict log of games i want to play through like i i would happily just keep playing it but just to be honest to be honest i find typically by the end of a game i'm i'm board honestly um it's very rare that like especially these games that are like 60 hours that i'm completely uh enjoying the experience at the same level all throughout the game and uh, experiences i don't think that tends to be as much of an issue for me definitely um, is for me honestly it's con- consistently so too if 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 i'm not enjoying a game like five hours into it I feel like I'm not going to enjoy it 50 hours in, and so I stop. So I tend to drop out of games pretty early on. Like, I dropped out of Bloodborne after less than an hour. Uh, it's it's I just wasn't feeling it. Um, but but for the ones that I do stick through, I tend to enjoy it. I was, I was expecting to be like that. I played through uh, Nier Automata recently, mm-hmm. and that was a game that's kind of advertised as having multiple endings. Mm-hmm. And so I said to myself, okay, once I get the first ending, I'm done. I'm not going to play anymore. But it's kind of a false advertisement. Um, it's it's more like multiple campaigns than multiple endings. Like you're not really redoing the game. You're you're playing almost a new game. I see. 
so so that was one that I, w- I got through and I beat that. And I actually felt curious to see what would happen if I start at the New Game Plus or whatever it was. And I was absolutely surprised that it was a whole new experience. And so then I was just like hooked and, and I kept going through. I see. Yeah, no, I mean, cool. I, I don't know. I just... Uh... I'm actually trying to think. I, I haven't played too many long games recently, except maybe uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, mm-hmm. which I was definitely... I mean, that, that game could have been half as long, um, just yeah. for me personally. Um, and I mean, I don't know, Mario Galaxy, I guess. Like, I, I liked those, but, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like now that I've beaten it, it's not that I'm so desperate to go on to the next game. I'm, I'm To be honest, I'm just kind of bored. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's fairly common nowadays. So maybe I'm just uh, even more impatient than most people. Yeah, maybe. Um, so moving away from the random discussion, sure. the, uh, the, the actual topic that we, we had there was to, to follow up some more on uh, press reset. Yeah. You know, I have an admission. I don't know how or why, but I was so sure, uh, I had read the next three chapters. It looks like I've only read the next two chapters. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, so you read chapter four and five then? Yes, I did. I didn't. I understand the next one is the uh, the baseball player Kurt Schilling, which I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I don't need this uh, uh, whatever like um, nonfiction book to tell me about him. I'm, I'm mildly aware of all that stuff. Um, the two chapters I did read were interesting. Uh, I'm well. I'm curious on your take on uh, on the first one, then chapter four, the the two K, the lost studio, or, or what was it called, the, the missing studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, because hmm. because what's interesting for me is I read that and then I realized I pretty much don't remember the chapter at all. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting to me because I can see, like, I don't know. It's just uh, I'm trying not to be, like, I, I feel very much like as someone outside of the game industry looking mm-hmm. in, there's the bias, of course, that people are only going to highlight certain stories, like great successes or, or terrible experiences, and so like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get a read of like what a normal experiences or an average experience and reading this book i you know I don't, it's not like certainly so far anyway there hasn't just been like a chapter like here's here's kind of a, a typical day in the life and uh, you know i highlight this guy's career and how it's gone and it seems okay it's, it's more like look at this terrible thing look at this crazy you know and look at this famous person that went through these ups and downs you know of course they're kind of highlighting um uh these perhaps not really representative experiences but it's still very hard to read some of these things and recognize like big name companies that I know of. So these aren't just like isolated little cases from from nobody places, right? These are like, you know, big companies making games I've heard of. Yeah. And then kind of consistently highlight what seems like in a way kind of like the worst <laughs> work environment possible, right? Like just like losing your job that day and just all these things. Um Yeah. And so it was it's kind of interesting I guess like there's things I hadn't considered that maybe like like if you think of what would put someone in the game industry, mm-hmm. they're not doing it because, you know, I don't know, mom and dad or want them to go and be a lawyer or a doctor <laughs> or a game designer, right? It's like the, it's the, for the love of the crap, blah 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 blah. We talk about that all. Everyone talks about it all the time. But like, it seems like for some of these people, just an enormous sacrifice. And like, when you read reading that uh, the two K story, I'm I'm like you, I guess. I, I I wouldn't say I forgot the whole thing, but I I, I should have maybe jotted down some details. But it just occurred to me that like. Maybe I'm just not as resilient a person. I feel like I would have gone through that experience and then looked for a job like outside the game industry or something. But these, the people going through that experience with the 2K, excuse me, Marin 
Marin, mm -hmm. or whatever, and like having their Marin, studio get like yanked around and like reassigned projects and like canceled and whatnot, and then being pushed out and like kind of finding another company and having the same thing happen and all that kind of stuff. They have quite a resilience to stay in the industry, I guess. And I think another way that I'm seeing it that is skewed is like, obviously I have a software background and that's, I mean, I benefit personally from the fact that's like a fairly in-demand job and there's like a lot of, like you could go work at the bank, you could go work at a game company, you could go work at a whatever bigger company or there's all kinds of different software companies, like perhaps other roles within the, the game industry. Like it's, if you were a game designer for 10 years and you just get sick of it one day, th that might not be as transferable a skill. Mm -hmm. So um, I can, I guess, sympathize with people who like this is their reality and they don't really have some choice to go somewhere else but it's like it just seems like you either your choice is either struggle financially generally as an indie or go with big company and just get yanked around and it's something when we when you and i had started our own company that i thought a bunch of times and i think we even kind of had some disagreements about it's just like and again you're you're working in a more creative industry creative role than me so i don't know you you kind of have more you've been there and done gone the you know ridden the ropes and so forth but like I struggled with like this idea of kind of bending this sounds cheesy, but like bending the vision to, to do what's to, to make it like have more mass appeal or make it more successful in a dollar sense or like keep the company afloat and stuff. And it's like, I kind of see that from people who do go in creative fields. It's like they, they're interested in creativity and they're interested in art and so forth. And then they get a degree as a designer or something. And then they're stuck uh, you know, like taking contracts from car companies to make car ads or something. And it's like the last, the farthest thing from creative. <laughs> like I've seen that kind of thing happen. And so that, that, I guess the analog to me, I guess, and again, I might be talking out of my ass cause I don't know, I, I haven't been there, but like working for a big company feels like a mix of like some ability to have a lot of passion and be passionate about what you're working on and inject your own personal twist. But ultimately you are still kind of on a, on a dog chain to a bunch of executive people or whatever who who really are just trying to make it work money-wise mm -hmm. um so it feels like i don't know just that that struggle would drive me crazy and i feel like i got a lot of that out of the 2k marin uh, uh chapter yeah well i mean one thing that i was heard you say there was that you you kind of think that there's some re resiliency um mm -hmm. i don't know how true that is um i mean I think they highlighted some people that left the industry well i I'm I'm trying to find some stats on it. I can't find anything concrete here. Um, mm. But from what I've heard, the average career length of a video game developer is roughly five years. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> like a lot of people, and and uh, there's another survey that was done. Um, what is this? IGDA.org. Oh, the website itself is down, but it, it, it's a. 2017 survey that was done by the International Game Developers Game Developers Association, um, and I guess on that survey, the average employee in the game industry had 2.2 employers within a five-year period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I feel like if you consider that within a five-year period, the average person has more than two employers and then quits the industry. <laughs> I don't want to laugh, but, but that's yeah. I mean, that, that's a fairly dire uh, statistic. Like, like I think I think there's a problem that a lot of this behavior is kind of normal. Like, yeah. and and there's just enough uh, bright-eyed, passionate people coming up through the the school system and stuff that they're like, oh man, I I want to make yep. games, 
that they don't really have a problem just churning through the meat grinder. Yep, that's that's uh, that's the problem, isn't it? It's a supply demand thing, right? Um, it's it's weird for me now because I was kind of noticing this when I was in film too. Like, um, uh, I I can't think of too many people I worked with. Like when I was at Doctor D in Australia, I think there was around five hundred people at the studio. And I think that there would have been less than 20 that were over the age of 40. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was a pretty significant uh, percentage of people that were young. Um, and I felt like this was kind of like the other studios that I was at was much smaller, but I felt like it was very similar at the other studios. Um, and and it's the same in games too. And it's, it's weird for me now because, I mean, I'm at an indie studio, so it's hard to be statistically significant when there's only around 30 people, but I feel mm -hmm. like I'm maybe the fourth oldest at the company right now. Oh, wow. That's uh, interesting. In, in, you know, and I'm 37 right now. Um, it's, yep. it's, it, it was interesting. Cause I mean, I was making a push trying to get some young blood in, like I've got a, a junior that I'm working with right now. And, and I was really making a push to hire someone junior. Um, whereas when I was at EA before that, uh, all of the effects team were senior artists. There, there was no one in their twenties on our team. How does that even happen? Are they all coming from film, or are they all coming from smaller companies? Is like EA such a great place for effects artists? They just manage um, to hire the, the um, senior people. Well, I think I think that just tended to be at least for that particular studio, they wanted senior artists more mm -hmm. than they wanted anyone else. I mean, EA is flush with cash, and and I guess they feel like, you know. Uh, despite whatever attrition rate there is, they can afford to just bring in new people who already know what they're doing instead of trying to build something that, you know, you get a junior and try to encourage them to stay in the industry. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. It, it didn't feel... Reading this book's in some ways depressing. In some ways. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's certainly not... <laughs> like it's, inspiring it, me to make a career change, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't expect to do. I mean, I, I think the the author lays it out pretty plainly that it's going to be like a, a focus on the turbulence and so forth. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because I'm at the companies that I've been haven't been bad, mm -hmm. but it's it's enough that like I don't know because I'm a bit of a workaholic and have a young kid and uh, I, I it's my personality type leans towards a little bit of depression and anxiety and stuff so i feel that now and then but then i'm reading this and realizing like how good i have it compared to other places wait <laughs> so this is a good thing i was gonna say we don't need to read the rest but <laughs> yeah uh, i mean and me too right like i i'm still kind of believe it or not you know i i'm not it's not a serious thing necessarily but it, it is quite easy or even occasional for me to like lay in bed and just think you know what would it have been like if i was doing like games or if i launched my own thing or whatever yeah. um and you know it, part of that like my i have it very good but part of that is like you know maybe i'd have i don't know uh i wouldn't say less of a workload but a workload that's aligned very much with something that's like extremely fun for me and you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, so like just picking the things about my life that are kind of maybe more stressful or, or like i would change if i could and then yeah. i read a book like this it's like you know the trade-off is definitely very large very yeah. very large yeah yeah i mean it's it's 
it's weird. Like so, sometimes you you feel like you really should just put your head down. And and I think I mentioned in the past I've worked at like a print studio where I'm doing flyers and stuff. And it's it's just a it's just a job. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. don't need to be passionate about it. You need to just show up and and get it done and and earn your pay. <laughs> um, and and it's it's weird. Like reading, I'm I'm trying to skim through it right now. So this chapter was about like the the 2K Marin, which was. Basically, they had a pet project that everyone was excited about, but they were told to work on uh, an XCOM game that nobody nobody cared about. Like they didn't think customers were going to care about it because it wasn't a tactical game, and they themselves didn't care about it. They had a project they wanted to work on; they weren't allowed to work on it because the publisher or the the people that own them was telling them what to work on. And it's like they're merging teams together that, and neither of them can kind of agree on on who's taking ownership on stuff and. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's it's, I don't know, relatable <laughs> in in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. it it sucks being in that role where like you're passionate and you want to bring something to the table and create and, and like you know games are about fun. Mm-hmm. Like like the whole point of playing a game is to have fun. We're we're like toy makers. We're trying to create experiences that people are going to enjoy, and it's it's hard to do that when you're working on something you don't think is fun i have a random question and it's something that would probably be like it would be it would be better to just look at data or something but like mm-hmm. it kind of i mean i remember something you had said previously like in i don't know high school or you know whatever when we're kind of thinking about our careers you you thought it would be interesting maybe to go work in games but you didn't think it was realistic and so you kind of went the yeah. film route and mm-hmm. then realized there was this opportunity to work in games and kind of mm-hmm. made the switch at one point i feel like like with all of the the indie um, games kind of storming out around like the 2013, 14, 15 era and that becoming like a really, uh, uh, what's the word, serious, I guess, thing. Like it's not just, like there's lots of success stories in there and people are paying a lot of attention to it and the big companies are even like unload, like Nintendo is putting indie games on their store. That, that felt crazy. <laughs> when, like if, if someone yeah, told it's, me- it's more open today than it- Yeah, like if someone told me that was something that would happen in like 2005, everyone would have laughed. Come on, like if two guys just start their own little thing and they're putting it on the Nintendo official store, like no way, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it just seems like, I feel like, I, I wonder, I feel like back when we were in high school, it just seemed like- a harder industry to get into maybe whereas now it, it seems to me to be super easy to get into it's, it's going to be hard to make a career out of or maybe be hired by a big company but i myself tomorrow could quit my job and go and register a indie game company and then just start programming a game from home on my computer right like so could anyone else like it's trivially yeah. easy yeah and so i'm just wondering if like that has fueled this maybe supply and demand uh uh kind of imbalance to some extent and then those people would kind of end up maybe more people want to they think they're going to do an indie company someday so they're going to go aaa first and learn the ropes and then they kind of go through it and burn out and whatever i don't know i'm just i'm kind of speculating randomly i mean it's possible i don't know there's i think there's a lot of people that just have no intention of ever going indie they they want to work on these big projects like i think I don't remember if it was last time or, or the time before. I was kind of mentioning the same thing. Like you were kind of asking about, like, why would someone, as a game programmer, want to go to an EA or something? Like, if you imagined that the fun would be like in making your own engine, not making an engine for other people. And I don't know. I feel like there is a large number of people who want to do that. They want to make something grand and epic that is beyond the scope that just, you know, five people could do. 
from a bedroom. Um, cer- yeah. cer- certainly, which is weird because I mean, certainly, like you look at like the Final Fantasy games on the Super Nintendo or like River City Ransom or whatever. Like they had they had small teams back then pumping out entire games. But yep. but like that AAA thing, I, I guess we discussed that like back in the era of the PlayStation Two where they started doing like the pre-rendered movies and stuff. Like it it's taken it to the point now where you you just can't make something on on the same scope as a modern Final Fantasy with a team of sixteen people. Yeah, I guess my that's where I, I almost think it's it's less about uh, my point. I guess was that it's less about that kind of thing necessarily and more mm-hmm. like you have to be interested specifically in game programming problems right like you could go yeah. work at some other big company on exciting projects doing like some crazy like i don't know healthcare startup machine learning to like scope out diseases or something and depending on what the person's into if they're just into like technical problems and stuff like that that's a much more rewarding i, I can't say that it depends on the person but i guess in the way my brain works it's certainly more I don't know, impactful across the world and it's definitely compensated better. And so you have to be very interested in game specific big projects. Mm-hmm. But to, and again, this is I'm just talking in my ass. This is just how my brain works. So when I think of games, what's exciting to me is more like the game design and mm-hmm. the game world. And so like just simply doing programming to support that stuff just feels like background work. Um like that has to be technically interesting to me. Whereas like yeah. almost like the healthcare startup. So this is yeah, I mean, everyone has their interests. I, I'm, I guess, I'm just saying from my point of view, mm. which is extremely, who cares, <laughs> right? But uh, it, it just, it's, it feels like a very large sacrifice to move out of other very interesting technical areas to, and I would argue, you know, I don't know, I, I guess more interesting technical area, but it's still kind of the same technical work, right? You're not switching over to being an artist or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just some thoughts, random rambling. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I really have a, a follow. Yeah, it's not like you know the mind <laughs> necessarily of some sort of a, a game programmer or something. Yeah, but yeah, you're right though. Like if I was working on an indie game, part of it is that I'm simply implementing the designs, I guess. Right? Like I, I don't know. Maybe it's like building a house. Like if you're if you're an arc if you're doing kind of architecty stuff and you're mm-hmm. the carpenter and you like plan out the whole house and you build it, that'd be very fun. Versus someone just yeah. handing you a plan and you just kind of go put up the walls and like you you've done this a million ahead. times. Yeah, right. You just you know this stuff. So boom, boom, boom. Like there's yeah. no the creative part has been kind of sucked out of it, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Probably someone could come and shoot all those points down a million times over. It's just kind of how I feel. And, you know, time. maybe that's part of the reason there is such a, a I don't know, a, a churn where people only last a few years. Maybe there it is full of people who want to be the next Hironobu Sakaguchi or something. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they get into a big company that's making these big games, thinking that they're going to revolutionize everything. And they realize, you know, I'm, I'm part of a team of couple hundred people i don't get to have a say maybe maybe that's part of it like maybe Mm -hmm. they're just getting out because it's not the dream that they expected it to be versus getting out because uh i don't know it's a crap industry (laughs) 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 i mean i mean it's 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 hard looking at the 2k thing because it was really just a story about people working on stuff that they didn't want to work on Mm -hmm. whereas like the, the next chapter i i felt somewhat I, like so the the second chapter was about uh zach mumbach mumbach yeah, yeah. I, I don't, i'm not sure how to pronounce his name uh working at ea and i both uh didn't like this guy when i'm starting to read about him 
I, I'd, I'd never heard of him before, but like when I'm reading about this guy who just like shows up and is working like 16 hour days and like he's talking about how important that is and, and everyone's like that. It's like I, I it drives me nuts that there's people like that that are normalizing yeah. working too much mm-hmm. yep. because, yeah, like like they said, like the, it, it becomes this culture where everyone kind of feels like they need to do it because everyone else is doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about that once or mm-hmm. twice in the past uh, and it's, it's not something I agree with. So I mean, I Im- immediately not liking this guy as I'm reading him, but then like there was one sentence here. I'm going to have to call it up on my phone. Um, uh, on one of the pages, he, he's fine. He finally see, kind of sees the light. Yeah, yeah, and, near the end, yeah. And near the end. And now I'm starting to identify with him a little bit more. <laughs> uh, and it's saying, like, he, he was crunching for a little bit, but suddenly he's, like, realizing that, like, you know. Making other people he, he, He'd always thought that you have to be, like, the Kobe Bryant. I always thought as, as needing to be, like, Leonardo da Vinci. Like, you need to put in as much practice as you can to be, like, the elite of the elite and stuff. But then he's realizing that uh, uh, he needed to, he always thought he needed to put in extra hours to be the elite of the elite to be Kobe Bryant. But the people who actually got paid like superstar athletes were working 40 hour weeks. The people who had crunched at visceral were now looking for new jobs. Even a top salary, like a hundred thousand dollars a year wouldn't go very far in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of working 80 hour weeks that people like Patrick Soderlund can get a new car. said Mumbach. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's why I, I quit EA. Yep. Yeah. Right. Like I, it felt, it feels really weird when there's hundreds of people working and, and it's just like whether or not a studio is going to open or close doesn't necessarily have to do with performance. Like people really liked the visceral games. They liked the, the dead space games. There's a lot of angry people out there that visceral closed mm-hmm. and, and they weren't allowed to i don't know i guess we mentioned that last week or or maybe a week before too where we're talking about how like uh why would i give you a dollar and get a dollar ten back if i could get yeah, yeah. Like, like that's it's I, I don't enjoy that corporate world and and seeing the people at the top earning millions like literal the amount of money that it would take to run an entire studio per year and i i don't feel that executives uh are are that are are that uh responsible for the success of everyone below them that they deserve that sort of salary it's really weird for me because i don't know like i i always take like devil's advocate with myself or something and Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not advocating for like those people making millions of dollars it you know your knee-jerk reaction to that is like what in what world does that make sense right um i'm like i how like why does one person need a salary comparable to a hundred other people oh they shouldn't it's ridiculous (laughs) yeah i I just i have no idea what the economics of the game company are i think that's another well i'm I'm just speculating or i I sound like to put on my robot hat and not care about people's lives and anything like that um maybe that's another supply and demand thing like you have all these young people lining up for these jobs and so the company can just be like well you know we're going to pay you really honestly less than your the value of the work you're doing right to not even commensurate with it and then people aren't certainly the qualified people aren't lining up for the leadership roles Mm -hmm. i i guess like you know i'm I'm not saying 
he should be paid millions of dollars or whatever. It's just, I don't know, like, how does that happen? Right? Like you'd think if people were lining up for that leadership role, then, you know, the company could offer a position for less money. And maybe it's, I guess like you see like these game companies pull out some leadership role person from like Amazon or something, right? Where like all the salaries are, are elevated. And so they have to compete with those companies for leadership positions, yeah. but they don't compete with those companies for, for like, you know, game designers or artists. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not, in no way am I justifying in a million years. It, it's disgusting and it's crazy. I, I just, I'm, I'm almost wondering like, like it's, I guess my point is it seems like it's easy to look at that guy and say, you're a scumbag you work 40 hour weeks when we're dying and maybe he is. I, I don't have context there. You have more context than me. But it well, seems I, like I, I, it, to be it, clear, it, to be clear, I'm not uh, painting a picture of Peter in specific. I'm, I'm just saying in general, I'm, yeah. I'm not a fan of executives. Yeah, sure. I, but I mean, it almost seems like a systematic problem that yeah. that comes to be in that case. Like if I was to ever so slightly defend that, whatever his name is, like, was he supposed to like, I mean, the company offered him that salary with the job of coming yeah. on and, you know, delivering this game and, and cutting costs and whatever. And he's just like, again, robot hat, right? Who cares about the humans involved in this process? But company X has offered me a salary of X millions, Y, y millions to come on and deliver the game and sell Z amount. Yeah, I'm just, you know, maybe that's, I guess, like you see that, that kind of executive absolutely everywhere, including in my industry. So I can just see maybe where like someone from, other industry that's used to doing this in a certain way and it's not such a chop shop they come to the games industry and they just realize like well these employees are in their mind anyway um mm -hmm. you know like resources and can be cut and so on and so forth yeah. i don't know it's just like again i'm not defending that process at all it's extremely unfortunate and sad but i'm, I'm just wondering like how would you go and fix that systematically uh this goes no. back to yeah this goes back to like <laughs> something i was saying last time too where like as soon as the company goes public, yeah. Again, I'm, I, this this again is. I'm not this, saying, this is this is just the problem yeah. with capitalism in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not saying it's a wonderful system. We're just. It's like I know people who say like, if you've if you've um, broken the law, you should go to jail. And they mm -hmm. they're they're very like kind of right wing people, and they they argue for like the war on drugs. They don't look at the statistics or think any deeper than that. They just say, well, the law is no drugs, so all these people should just go to jail. That's it. No questions. Yeah. To to start bending on that means the law isn't as valuable and blah 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 blah. And it kind of. You know, I, I get that. It's, it's, it's like when you look at capitalism, it's the same thing. Like you can make all kinds of arguments about why capitalism in its purest form is so wonderful, but it really chomped up people and spits them out, right? And so like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird thing that would require some sort of systematic fix, I guess. And you look at game companies that are public and from a purely capitalistic point of view, you have a promise to your shareholders to do everything you can to maximize profits, right? Of course, you're going to put out a competitive salary from, for some executive to yank him out of Amazon and pay him, ex him or her, typically him. Yeah. The next tens of millions and then he's going to just like lay off half the workforce because they're expendable in his mind i don't know it's just it yeah. you can see why that happens but it sucks and so what's the fix it's just a weird thing i find like i know i'm blabbing a bit I, I find like one thing i i don't know i'm not trying to get on my my high box my soapbox <laughs> it's it's very easy to to cite all these societal problems and complain about them but when you don't then proceed to offer a fix i don't feel like things are really moving forward or you know raising awareness is good and stuff but like it's kind of like in this book i'm reading it and the author definitely feels the same way we do and is, is highlighting all of these like there's it's not stated directly necessarily but it definitely comes up a bunch of times or is quoted from people saying like you know i'm, I'm not comfortable with the executives making all the money and all this this kind of thing like kind of the, the latent mm -hmm. criticism of the system but i don't i don't come out with any sort of feeling of how to fix it i guess and that would yeah. be an interesting focus not necessarily for this book 
but something. I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you definitely have to spend more time in investigating mm-hmm. what is the problem that's happening before you can come up with a solution. And and I mean, this book certainly, I think, is more taking the approach of like raising awareness of just what the yeah the state of these companies is more so than trying to to necessarily come up with a, a solution. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. It's fair. Um, but yeah, that's that's about the ex- extent of it, I guess. Uh, you haven't had a chance to read about uh, Mr. Baseball yet. No, I kind of remember when that happened, and it was like such a thing. Um, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to save that one for next time. How many chapters are there in this thing, anyway? Is there nine or eight? Uh, there are epilogue is nine not... plus an epilogue, which nine is five pages. Epilogue. Nine is human cost, human solution. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I I've mostly been enjoying the book, so it's not a matter of. I, I honestly, I thought I had read <laughs> chapter six, and then I opened it, and I saw that the bookmark was shoved in there, and I was like, oh, whoops. Nice. So, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm uh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we'll we'll have to see how uh, how uh, revelatory the the remaining chapters are before uh, i'm going to commit to a third podcast about the book but um I, I do still it's it's weird because you know i work in the industry so it's it's more relatable and more uh depressing maybe than if you weren't in the industry and it's just like <laughs> neat trivia uh, <laughs> you criticize like, my like way out there views well i mean it's 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 interesting just because like you know there's names in here like patrick soderland or, or uh, rod ferguson and, mm-hmm. and you know these might be names that people are familiar with just from reading articles but like the people that have worked at companies that i've worked at and and so it it, it tends to ground it a little bit more and yeah um i don't know it's 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 i don't like the the drama side of stuff i don't i don't like having to think about beyond how can we make this thing more fun <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean that goes that kind of calls into what i was saying like back when we were trying to do the game company that's that was my focus and i mean yeah. it was it was also like how can i make it fun in what fun is to me i guess like i don't know it's like when you try and make something for mass appeal or you try and make something yeah. for something that's going to have mass effect mass effect <laughs> to a smaller group yeah it's going to work yeah. better um but uh i don't know i guess that's kind of the call out yeah um yeah that's 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 definitely the the difference that i noticed being at a small company and i mean i'm i'm, I'm still at a company it's not my company right so uh, mm-hmm. the the difference that i noticed being at the big studio and and just being kind of like a cog in a wheel knowing that you're earning uh not even a tenth of what the company owners are versus being at a smaller place where you feel like you're actually getting a say in what's going yep. on. Um, and then I, I guess I can totally imagine it, uh, how it could work out nicely if you're like the, uh, the super meat boy gang or something and, and <laughs> making just a, like a two person project. But I mean, you and I can both attest to the fact that, you know, it's, it's difficult to make that work. Um, yeah. The, the small team, you definitely have to do everything. You don't get to just be an idea person. Um, and uh, money money's an issue. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I just feel like our parents' generation has this attitude 
kind of super generalizing here, but you know, like work is work and you're not supposed to like it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's almost weird to try and align, um, I guess to expect some alignment yeah. uh, with like your passions and, that are fun and your job. And if you have that, it's a bonus. Great. Good luck. Good for you. But you know, the fact that you have any expectation to be able to do that is like outrageous or something, right? Like you kind of have people, that's an older way of thinking, right? Yeah. And I guess like, especially probably for those folks, like a game industry job just is very much that, right? Like you're, I wonder how many people find themselves in the game industry because it was the the maximally, uh, uh, you know, whatever lucrative deal they could find with their skill set versus like they want to do that. And that's what their passion is. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it happens for some people. Yeah, those uh, executives, it's probably happening for them, I imagine, in some senses, in some instances. Yeah, a lot of these stories kind of, at least the way the author described it, there was almost like a focus on the fact that like the executives kind of didn't know games, <laughs> I guess. It seems that way. I mean... Yeah. I mean, the, if we drag up the name Patrick Soderlund again, like he's seen as kind of like the the heartless villain in that uh, EA chapter, mm -hmm. uh, because like his is one of the few names that's actually brought up. It's not completely fair to characterize him as someone who doesn't know games, because like he he was responsible for like the Frostbite engine that, mm -hmm. that was being used. Like he he came from working in games and and rose to the top, right? Like. Um, it's it's not quite the same as say um, oh man I can't remember his name but the the guy that was in charge of Sega America, um, but like he came from advertising uh, yeah. and and he he like advertised for Mattel and he, he was like responsible for like I think the Flintstones vitamin tablets. That... Oh, trying to search stuff on my phone while we talk. Um, <laughs> I couldn't find his name. Uh, it starts with a K, I think. Um, Kaczynski. Sure. Sega, it's like anything, like anything, right? It's like the the Pepsi guy went and ran Apple for a few years. Like, it, was he a, a tech savvy? Yeah, Tom. Tech passionate guy, you know. Tom Kalinsky. Yeah. So, so he's an American businessman best known as having worked for Mattel, where he was credited reviving Barbie and Hot Wheels, launching Masters of the Universe, and then being promoted to CEO. Then he was the CEO of Matchbox. Then he was recruited to be the CEO of Sega of America. Right, like mm -hmm. he knew sales, he knew how to make fun things, but he he, it wasn't games in particular mm -hmm. wasn't his forte. So yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's all it's all a world. It's it's interesting because it's it's a young industry too. It's not like I don't know shoemaking or something where there's like hundreds of years of tradition to go with yeah. it <laughs> it's young and it's changing too right like yeah. i imagine working in the game industry today is nothing like it would have been 20 years ago no 30 years ago right yeah um, which i mean a lot of the more technological uh, uh industries are going to be like that but I, I don't know i would guess especially with games it seems particularly fast moving yep Anyway, um, I don't know that we are wrapping up with any sort of particular uh, conclusion. <laughs> Moral. But, <laughs> but uh, we do got to wrap up. Indeed. So I guess cool. that's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> are you playing games? You didn't. I, I didn't uh, pose the question to you. Uh, I no. I played. Uh, I played. I think three hours of uh, Last of Us Part Two last oh, yeah. week, right and, and those three hours are the only gaming time I got in this week. Cool. How is it? Are you enjoying it? I am. I am enjoying it. Um, and, and I've got a, a weird project associated with that that I'm doing uh, where I'm, I'm actually streaming that and, and making a, a paper journal with photographs and stuff in it, um, which it could go into some depth, but I don't feel like I, I've got the time right now to... <laughs> we can, uh, we'll continually plug it and include links <laughs> in, the, uh, in the YouTube 
uploads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's a it's a solid game. I mean, if you enjoyed the first one, yeah. Um, I personally don't see a reason not to enjoy this one. I'm, I understand there were lots of uh, bros out there who didn't enjoy it, but uh, it, it seems like a good game to me so far. Cool. All right. Well, topic for another time, perhaps. All right. All right. Well, enjoy. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah. Take care, man.